O oh God, as we move into this Lenten journey that will lead us to the cross, we pray that you would minister to us in our personal wildernesses. As you ministered to Jesus in his time of testing and temptation, you alone know when we are troubled, confused, and have lost our way. You alone know when we face the difficult times of temptation. In this season of Lent, you call us to personal and corporate penitence, accountability, and preparation. Loving God, as you strengthen Jesus to choose rightly when he was tempted in the wilderness, so strengthen us through your presence and spirit that when we face temptation, we may be given the vision and courage to make the right choices. Help us to recognize and turn away from those forces that lead us away from life abundant. When we follow the voices of crowds instead of seeking your guidance and your will, grant us your grace, O God, and set us free. When we are too quick to judge others without first looking at ourselves, grant us your grace, O God, and set us free. When we respond to human need and suffering with apathy and to injustice and cruelty with indifference, grant us your grace, O God, and set us free. When we waste and pollute this world, which you have created, grant us your grace, O God, and set us free. When, when our love of worldly goods and comforts blinds us to the needs of others, grant us your grace, O God, and set us free. Grant us your grace, O God, heal our pain, remove our doubt, forgive our failures, help us to accept your love and forgiveness so that we might be set free in grace to follow you and to serve you. We lift these prayers in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus the Christ.
The witness of Scripture this morning comes from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterward he was famished. The tempter came and said to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took Jesus to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, God will command God's angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to Jesus, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only God. Then the devil left Jesus, and suddenly angels came and waited on him.
after an anthem like that, I'm giving up preaching for Lent. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> the church has moved from the season of Lent and it, from the season of Epiphany into the season of Lent, the 40 days from Ash Wednesday through Holy Saturday, not including the six Sundays in Lent. Lent's 40 days come from the story of Jesus spending 40 days in the wilderness, the story Matthew has just told. We hear a particular emphasis and importance when the Bible mentions 40. Noah's 40 days and nights in the rain, our Hebrew ancestors 40 years seeking the promised land. When a person turns 40, that birthday, seems like a passage into something else. Matthew wrote, the Spirit led Jesus in the wilderness, which is a rather tame way to say that. Matthew wrote, the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, but it is more of a sending than a leading. In the wilderness, which can be either or perhaps both a place of desolation and a place of divine encounter, Jesus fasts from food and he faces his future. Frederick Buechner reminds us that in many cultures there is an ancient custom of giving a tenth of each year's income to some holy use. For Christians to observe the 40 days of Lent is to do the same thing with roughly a tenth of each year. After being baptized by John in the River Jordan, Jesus went off alone into the wilderness where he spent 40 days asking himself what it means to be Jesus. During Lent, Christians ask themselves one way or another what it means to be themselves. So Lent is a time to reflect, to take stock, to see how well we are matching what we say we value and what we do with our living. Honest reflection like that can certainly be heavy lifting. It was no picnic for Jesus who does not ask us to do anything that he has not already done. But as Buechner concludes, if sackcloth and ashes are at the start of it, then something like Easter may be at the end. Which is his way of saying that going through the wilderness can be clarifying and cleansing and renewing and restoring. It can be a helpful way to bring new life and new direction. Now, that is not a guarantee. But... It is hard to imagine how the new can emerge without going through whatever crucibles life inevitably presents or going through any time of change or challenge or passage from the certainty of what has been to the possibility of what might be. The sermons for the first four Sundays of Lent are in one way or another about temptation. 
The flow of the sermons from week to week will move from the particular to the global as John's gospel will guide us through many temptation stories. Nicodemus is tempted to negation. Religion is tempted to presumption. People are tempted to condemnation. Both today's story and John's stories remind us that temptation at its core is the opportunity to use power in ways other than God's intention. But sometimes power is simply misused. Sometimes power is abused. And sometimes the line between those two can be razor thin. Suffice it to say, we spend our entire lives wrestling with power's tempting allure. For the many creative ways we can think of being made in the image of God, we recognize that to be made in the image of God is to be granted power. For example, spend time around a two-day-old or a two-year-old or a 12-year-old or a 22-year-old, or a 92-year-old. We know what's in play, don't we? Power. We look to the creation stories Genesis tells, and we see that from the beginning, it is God's good design to create life having both force and energy. In other words, power. The Genesis stories proclaim that God gives every living creation from the tiniest insect that crawls to the galaxies that orbit. God gives to all of that force and energy while giving to humanity a particular kind of power. It's the power to tend, to care, to nurture, to name, to cooperate. Now, we know that if power is truly given, then it comes with a range of possibilities. So there's the power to tend, and there's the power to ignore, the power to care, the power to be indifferent, the power to nurture or to be selfish, the power to name or to demonize, the power to cooperate or to dominate. To be made in the image of God is to be given power. To live in the image of God depends on how that power is used. One of the ways to look at the first few chapters of Matthew's gospel is through that lens of power. Joseph had the power and the religious backing to do away with Mary. Magi, with their means and their status, present their gifts, and then they bowed to a toddler. Herod, with the support of the empire and the legions of military, perpetrated fear and hatred. John's thundering voice cries in the wilderness, and then 
he directs everyone's attention to another. Jesus, immersed in God's deep love, is blessed and claimed for life. And we know how powerful that kind of blessing is, both in the deep gladness of those who have received it and in the soul sadness of those who may not have received it, either from a parent or perhaps whose image of God is of a power to be feared and not a grace to be welcomed. And that's where Matthew's story of Jesus in the wilderness begins. Just after Jesus has been claimed, blessed, beloved, what greater high point could there be for Jesus? And it is exactly at this apex of his power and blessing that Jesus confronts and questions and wrestles with how he will live his power. Well, that's life, isn't it? A fifth grader moves to middle school and has new powers to choose. Anybody ever meet a sixth grader who wanted to go back to fifth grade? <laughs> no. A teen passes the driver's test. Whew. All kinds of new power. A high schooler graduates and finds in college heretofore unimagined choices. The first job is landed. The first paycheck comes in. There's options with that income. The promotion is given, and the job title changes from employee to boss. The covenant has been pledged and the cake has been eaten and now the couple will discern how each relates to the other. How do we use the power we have? Jesus has incredible power, which means that his temptations are equally strong. Contrary to how it is commonly thought, temptation does not trade in weakness. It trades in strength. For the stronger you are, the more capable you are, the more opportunities you have, the more influence you have, the greater will be your temptation. Fred Craddock reminds us, even as he cites George Buttrick, who once said, you are not going to have a sea storm in a roadside puddle. The temptation Jesus faces is the same one we face, albeit by degrees even stronger. Because at the core of what happens in the wilderness is the foundational question for all of us. God has blessed us and in the image of God has given us power. So what will we do with that power? How do we live God's power flowing through us before Jesus has ever preached or healed or taught? He was facing the same question. What will he do? with his God-granted power. Matthew's telling of this wilderness story is stunningly insightful, as long as we don't cartoon it. 
into this picture of a heroic, serene Jesus versus a devil in a little red costume with a switching tail and pitchfork. Matthew's interested in telling us a deep truth, that the embodied presence of goodness in the life of Jesus has stirred up the forces that stand against that goodness. Who Jesus is and what Jesus does threatens the powers that be. And those powers will not go quietly into the night. Let the voice of justice speak in the midst of inequity. Let the voice of, voice of compassion speak in the midst of vengeance. Let the voice of community speak in the midst of ideology and the powers that be will howl like an infernal wind in the wilderness. Anyone who signs on with Jesus, anyone who's willing to follow Jesus will at some point along life's way be challenged by the powers that be. And Matthew's telling of this truth is poignant. And what's more, it is played out in every generation. The tempter, of course, is way too, way too subtle for cartoon depiction. So often the voice of temptation sounds reasonable. And it may even be reasonable by a certain measure. Jesus, you're famished. You need bread. Here, have something simple to eat. Jesus, you want to do good. Show people the incredible power you command by making a soft landing from the top of the tower. Jesus, take control of the palaces and the precincts. Boot the Romans out and sit on the throne and wear their crowns. All you need to do is bow down to the way the tempter works, which is always, always by deceit, by contrivance, by manipulation, by control. After all, Jesus, it's really the only way people think things ever get done. And as you will soon find out, Jesus, even your own disciples, not to mention all the people, will want you to rule with an iron fist, not a smooth touch. Look, Jesus, it's just the way the world is. If you want to get something done. If you want to be acclaimed and appreciated and admired. Who doesn't want that? For all those many, many, many tentacles swirling around Jesus in the wilderness, the consistent temptation that Jesus faces is likely the same one that so often confronts us. Tempted to self is what's being offered. Tempted to place self at the center of the universe or the center of the action or the center of the credit. Turn the stones to bread. Well, as we know, Jesus would later feed people, thousands of them. But it was never so that people could hail him as some kind of meal, Messiah. Jesus came instead to be bread of life. 
which is to say Jesus is not here so that people can get something from him, but is here to proclaim that life is more than personal satisfaction and individual satiation. Let the angels hold you up, Jesus. And as we know, Jesus did provide wondrous healings and he helped people be well, but he never took the path of cheap exhibitionism, as Ron Allen called it, nor did he want people to fall down at his feet. And in fact, most of the time, Jesus told his disciples to keep quiet about the healings. Because Jesus wants disciples, not a bunch of sideshow fanatics. Rule the world, Jesus. You can be the center of it all. You just have to use the tempter's method, which is always a shortcut. Because controlling and manipulating and dominating is so much faster than transforming and disciple-making. You can do it, Jesus. It can be all about you. Tempted to self. Self-consumption, self-preservation, self-glorification. And Jesus says no to it all. Katherine Johnston wrote it this way. After 40 days in the wilderness, three temptations, three refusals to submit, and angels who attend to him, Jesus gets on to the task at hand. It's teaching and healing and loving. The temptation in the wilderness, and more broadly the season of Lent, is not about willpower, as in resisting that chocolate cake or that electronic device, important as willpower can be. Instead, Lent is interested in how we will use power. So how do we use power that identifies us as children of God? How do we exercise influence that enlivens and empowers rather than controls and manipulates? How do we use power, not as a means to an end, but as the way of God's grace and God's justice, as a way of truth-telling and reconciliation? How do we live not to get what we want from God, but so that God's desires will live through us? Well, the church in its wisdom enters Lent and asks hard questions. The kinds of questions that always have the potential to move us from Ash Wednesday to Resurrection Sunday with Jesus as our wilderness companion. Jesus, the one who helps us to see that the goodness and the grace of living well beyond simply being tempted to self. 